Hey everyone, it's your favorite book boy here, Spencer. So we had a few audio snafus, as we call it in the business, that were, uh, well, one entirely Jess's fault and had nothing to do with my uh, general incompetence in everything that I do, but two were not able to be resolved in time of the release of this podcast, which was already delayed. Hashtag professional podcast. But anyways, we lost just the very first part of this recording and weren't able to re-record it in time. But you guys, you didn't miss anything important. Just us introducing the show and just mentioning the fact that she was recovering from COVID. So hopefully this will all be fixed by the next episode. And if it's not, I will never read a book again. Anyways, thanks for listening. Hello? gonna get a little deep today right well i was going to explain that i'm or just had covid so you know fun fact i just had covid wow is that what you were doing at home those those yeah that's what i was doing i was also at home with covid incredible i'm surprised we didn't talk about it yeah that's so weird weird well yeah that's right guys we are not only coming off a lovely bout of covid but we are also in the middle of moving yeah just a lot of things going on here yeah but we got a new place. It's also got a podcast closet room. Yeah. So it's going to be great. It's going to be awesome, y'all. We're still going to be here. Still going to be here. And so today is uh, kind of a different episode. This is yeah. maybe the first one you're hearing of our lovely new show. And we're calling it episode zero, the history of YA or, or what is YA? What yeah. is ya? Yeah, we're going to break down the genre a little yeah. bit. Well, we, when we were you know, telling people about their next podcast, what we're going to do, we got a lot of questions of like, why young adult literature? Or like, what do you mean? What are you doing? Why are you wasting your time? You should be working or like having a family. And oh. so this episode's kind of explaining like the history <laughs> of young adult books and literature and just also like what it means to us. So yeah. we kind of want to introduce ourselves yeah. So if you guys listen to our last podcast, Twilight, a literary podcast, you might know that Jess and I actually first met in a young adult literature class. Yes, we did. Both of us did not need to necessarily no. be in there, but we really enjoy uh, reading young adult literature, like yeah. many adults. Yeah. So we, we were actually both science majors, um, and so it was a little weird that we were both in a young adult lit class, but it just kind of goes to show, like, that's what these books mean to us. So we'll talk about it a bit more as we go through the history. But like, how did you get to a point where you do a young adult podcast, Jessica? You know, that's an interesting question because I'm trying to remember back to what started my love of reading, but I can't really think of it because I started reading like in kindergarten and right. I don't think I, I never stopped until I graduated high school, really. Then I took a little a little bit of a break. Yeah, I mean, you and I were both AR point gods. Yes, we were. So I think a lot of people our age know what that is. Some people may not. So what is it, advanced reader points? Yeah, accelerated reader. Accelerated reader points. So when we were in elementary school, you would go you would go to the library, and all the books had, like, these numbered stickers on them. Yeah. And it, that told you how many 
AR points you would get if you read it and then passed the quiz about it afterwards. Right. And the quizzes were always super easy, just right. basically proving that you read the book. Right. So, and you collect those AR points to get like, you know, dumb prizes like erasers and stuff. But if you were a true Chad. Yeah. You would save up your points, and at least at my school, you could get a golden library card, which <gasps> bumped you up from two to three books per checkout. Are you kidding which me? Which you know your boy had. Oh my gosh. I would have loved that. Yeah. I don't even know what kind of prizes I got for that. I'm I'm not even sure. But, but for me, a lot of the times, reading was for, like, I was getting intrinsic value out of it rather than like some sort of prize. I just really also enjoyed reading. Right, same. And and like it's hard to say, yeah, like you, I was just always reading. I remember those there were these books called eyewitness books. Mm. There weren't really YA, but and mm-hmm. it was just like had all these pictures and a whole it all about history or science or something. My favorite was the one about pandemics and plagues. Oh, which of course. makes sense. I ended up being a microbiologist, so it all comes together uh, <laughs> at a hospital. But I'll, but I think the series, the true YA series that got me into it, like I think most kids in our generation, was Harry Potter. Like that was the first okay. like, series I read and I loved. Like I remember being in summer camp, being on like book one or two, and like being in awe of like the older kids who were on like Order of the Phoenix or Half Blood mm-hmm. Prince or whatever. Like it was nice. just a big deal. It was just yeah. like that was the first series. Yeah, no, that definitely wasn't my experience with Harry Potter, but I can remember the specific series that was in my junior high. And so this might Mm -hmm. be on like the younger end of young adult literature, much like uh, the series of Unfortunate Events is Mm -hmm. starring younger children. But uh, it was called Among the Hidden by Margaret Peterson Haddix. And I don't remember how many books long. I think there might have been like... Seven books. Yeah, there were seven books in this series, and I just ate them up. It was my first dystopian novel, and it just it, it brought me into this new world of fiction that I didn't really know before with dystopian novels and, and a bit of, like, you know, the sci-fi fantasy kind of mm-hmm. vibe that I still am super into today. Yeah, I can attest to that. You definitely are. <laughs> I remember, like, a big one was a series of unfortunate events, which we are covering as our first series in this new podcast. But also, Percy Jackson was huge. Oh, yeah. Because, like, in middle school, we had a lot of curriculum dedicated to Greek mythology. I'm not sure why, but uh, part of that was reading Percy Jackson, and I was <gasps> obsessed with that you series. You got to for a while. read it in middle school? We read The Lightning Thief in Man, middle school. Man, mm-hmm. they, they started doing that after I left middle school. Bummer. Um, you are significantly older than me. No, I mean, they started doing it, like, the year after me. I found out they were doing it because I was mm. reading it on my own and then I found out that the sixth or seventh graders were reading it in class and I was like what like I would have Bummer. loved that but that here sucks, I am dude. reading it on my own time um but that yeah. was that was another one that I really loved although mm. I remember I was in eighth grade and I picked up um it was like free reading time and for some reason Mm -hmm. i didn't have a book on me that day i have no idea why and i sat kind of in the back of the class next to where the library was so i just picked up like literally just picked up this book and i started reading it it was the second one it was the sea of monsters yes you've told me this you you are an agent of chaos i know well i read the whole thing before i realized oh wait there was a book before this and then you know i got into it unacceptable behavior i must say (laughs) this is right up there with you shuffling albums on spotify listen i don't i don't approve i don't approve of your lifestyle (laughs) Okay, no, you are fine with me shuffling albums. No, it's I'm not. specifically the Hamilton. Um, That's the musical. worst one. That is the, that is an unacceptable one. Yeah, yeah like, that is truly problematic behavior. <laughs> 
and it's because you've never even listened to it straightforward. You'd only no, played it I in have. shuffle. I don't buy it. Uh, no, I listened to it straightforward several times before then I thought, mm. you know what, I'm going to make it spicy and, and shuffle this up. Anyways, back Anyways, to what young adult literature. So you can see we we just are obsessed with this stuff, and we just can talk about it all day. But for the people who may not have grown up in the same sphere as us, maybe you had friends growing up, and you didn't read all the time or something. I don't know. <laughs> we'll give you, let's get a little refresher. Let's get a lowdown on what is young adult literature. Yeah. So while stories for children have existed for as long as we've had stories to tell, stories for teens and young adults are actually a relatively recent invention. And this is in large part due to the fact that teens and young adults are themselves a relatively recent invention. So before we can understand what young adult literature is, I think we need to understand what a young adult is. The idea of adolescence, or like this transitional stage between childhood and adulthood, was an invention. Because for the vast majority of human history, people were simply children, and then they were adults. It wasn't until about the 1930s and 40s that teenagers began to be recognized as their own distinct age group. And just a caveat, this is just covering American history and yeah. culture. I'm sure it's very different in other places. Right. And this is like American, almost like marketing, right? Like this is all about we'll, teens yeah. now having purchasing power. Uh, we will get to that. <laughs> that is The history of teenagers is the history of marketing to teenagers. Yes. So the change coincided with the creation of child labor laws and the rise of compulsory public education, i.e. when men stopped being men. Oh. And the snowflakes came. You know, children suddenly had two arms again. I know. They had all these fingers <laughs> and and they learned all these maths. And so instead of being good capitalists working in farms or factory, kids were now spending their days together in school, which led to the development of their own unique culture that was separate from their families. Love that for them. I, it's much better. <laughs> And then you add in the post-World War II economic boom and the rise of car culture. You now have teens with the ability to go where they wanted and the money to buy what they wanted. And like you mentioned, Jess, companies very quickly recognized this new purchasing power and began marketing products to teens directly. Mm -hmm. So then we have celebrated librarian and public education advocate Margaret Scogin, who actually coined the term young adult in 1944 to refer to people from the ages of 13 to 21. So Margaret is actually like a truly awesome woman. She's amazing story. She is one of the first people to recognize the importance of reading for young people and work to make libraries just as accessible to kids as they were to adults. Uh -huh. And her and a lot of other wonderful people who worked at the New York Public Library at that time were huge in making the library a space for kids and teens as mm. well as adults. And mm. so she's kind of the reason, along with a lot of other awesome people, that every public library has like a specially curated kids section and teen section and that libraries are much more about like public outreach and like having a space for people to go to than they are just about being homes for books. Right. So essentially she's basically the patron saint of kids with more fictional friends than real ones, which is the kind of person I pray to. That's my <laughs> kind of deity right there. So, um, <clears throat> so around the same time, the first books 
explicitly marketed at teens began to emerge. Uh, but these books are kind of like cheap paperback serials. You're talking like Nancy Drew and, and the, the gay lovers, the Hardy Boys. <laughs> I'm just kidding, Hardy Boys. I'm sure you're, you're lovely, you know, straight Christians or whatever. Head canon, though. He- head canon. Heavy head canon. <laughs> you know, there are also adult books that, you know, resonated with young people like Catcher in the Rye and The Bell Jar and, unfortunately, Lord of the Flies, which mm. is not a good book. Don't mm. read it. I never Stop did. teaching it. Never will. But in my opinion, the YA genre was truly born in 1967 with the release of the seminal book by Essie Hinton, The Outsiders. Oh, I love The Outsiders so much. And we will be covering it on this podcast in a not-too-distant future. If anyone's listened to Twilight, our last podcast, you know how much we love The Outsiders. We love it. Oh, my goodness. One of my favorite books I've ever, like, had to read for class. Oh, ab- absolutely. It created, like, a greaser obsession in my middle school <laughs> for a short time period when we read it. It was amazing. And and so what was amazing among it just, besides it just being a very well-written book and great stories, that The Outsiders was the first book about teens, for teens, and by a teen. Sorry, I somehow just completed my steps for the day. I think I was gesturing that hard. <laughs> yeah, you were. And so the, the book was like dark and exciting and it was modern, but mostly it, it took its characters and their feelings seriously. It's such yeah. a deep and honest story and it's just a wonderful book. And I can't believe Essie Hinton wrote it when she was like 16. It makes Incredible. me so mad. In the 60s or not, maybe at that point. Was yeah, it the 60s? Yeah, I mean, the 60s she was writing it, you know. She just wrote it over, like, a couple years when she was just a kid. And she's still writing books. Like, incredible. she's an amazing person. Yeah. It, it's such a good story. And I, I, I also have fond memories because whenever... I read it in seventh grade mm-hmm. reading class. Yeah. And the teacher was having us, like, read it aloud. Um, and I always volunteered to read, which definitely helped with, like, my public speaking and reading in general, mm-hmm. which was why I decided to do because I was like, wow, you know, I'd really like to be good at reading out loud. And you know what? Now I have a podcast where I read from a script out loud. Look at you. I was always forced to read out loud because I was in theater, so they just assumed I would be good at it. This is pre-theater for me. Ah. So I think this helped lead the way to... My mm-hmm. then high school theater career. Yeah, you caught the attention bug and you couldn't couldn't let it go. All because of The Outsiders. Wow, look which at that. Which was a great story in and of itself. Makes me cry every time I would try, even like think about it. Oh, honestly. absolutely. I can't wait for us to cover it. It's going to be so good. <laughs> it's such a good story. It's just such a... Uh, it's so great. We'll, we'll leave it for now. We'll, we're going to be doing a whole episode, if not more than one episode on it. It's yeah. fantastic. The movie's also fantastic, Oh, too. my God. Don't even get me yeah. started. Started with the movies. I formed a complex. Oh, uh, a lot of girls did. <laughs> and boys. <laughs> so with the release of The Outsiders, we get the first golden age of young adult literature. And so this is when we see teen-centric books start to cover darker, more mature topics like sex, drugs, and even death. And in the 70s, we get a lot of now classics like The Chocolate Wars and Go Ask Alice. Uh, excuse me. When was Go Ask Alice? In the 70s. Are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. What? I had no idea. <gasps> yeah, 71. Wow. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It's the book that both made made both of us want to do drugs because it seemed cool. No, no, no. It, no. It made drugs cool. Uh, mine was Lucy in the Sky. Oh, you're right. You're right. Uh, same thing though same author it was yeah same author but I think Lucy oh yeah 
it was published oh wait no it was published like in 2012 but um lucy in the sky yeah what is it it's, it's saying that uh, is it the same thing wait it's the anonymous diaries oh it's set in 1968 interesting well that's probably why you're confused yeah so go ask alice but uh, you know i've heard about go ask alice go ask alice people don't know it's this it's it's a fake diary of someone who got into drugs but like which it's honestly it's kind of cool no but like she like does drugs at a party on accident and then like she gets like a boyfriend and like all these cool friends and like, yeah i mean it gets bad at the end but like she's kind of cool for a while but like, like it's that like fun. really cool for a while yeah yeah yeah. like i, I think in lucy and sky she like ends up taking drugs like at this really cool party Hell with like yeah. rich people like this rich yeah. house and there's like a bouncy house in the backyard yeah, and then she ends up having a threesome which Goals. i mean was very bad for her, I guess, emotionally, but, like... Yeah, but I'm, if she was, like, just more chill about it, it would have been fun. It's on her. It's it her sounded fault. like a good time to me. Honestly. Uh, <laughs> but besides good, uh, good Ask Alice, Go Ask Alice, we also have the emergence of authors like V.C. Andrews and Judy Bloom, people who really defined, you know, who are really synonymous with young adult books nowadays. But this is also where we start getting issue books or, or problem novels as they're also known which mm-hmm. were books that followed like a character dealing with a single social or moral problem kind of like go, go ask alice yeah and so while some of these books at least the better written ones were able to help kids with very real issues and you know were telling important stories problem novels pretty quickly oversaturated the market and started becoming you know basically print versions of after school specials yeah think preachy, life- didactic think lifetime movies yeah just kind of like <laughs> crap yeah excuse my en français <laughs> but still the YA genre continued to grow in the 80s and the early 90s you know mostly off the back of serialized stories like sweet valley high and the babysitters club and a little bit later goosebumps mm-hmm. this is also where we get the animorph series which people our age will tell you took up about half of the young adult kids section at any public library. And, you know, I think that annoyed me so much that I never read them because I was like, why do they have, like, four bookshelves full of this one book? I was the same way, babe. We're both pretentious from the beginning. I did the exact... I've never read an Animorphs book because they were too... absolutely not. They were too ubiquitous. They were too much. I was like, I don't want them. Stop making me want to read this book about a guy who turned it into a hawk or whatever. Yeah. But, I mean, I will say the covers are sweet. I mean, those are iconic covers. (laughs) And so now, you know, with the quality literature that was Animorph, surprisingly, by the mid-90s, the market began to stagnate and sales dropped. And teen-centric books stopped being taken seriously as, like, literature, basically. Mm, Yeah. This is also kind of coincides with just a general low point in teen population in the country. So it might be partially that. But things became so bleak that a lot of people started thinking that the YA genre would cease to exist at all and be just remembered as another fad. Enter something good that'll restart (laughs) the whole thing. Wow, did you read ahead? No. Uh, (laughs) It just sounded like you were building up to it. Obviously, it's not dead yet. No, you're right. You're absolutely right. As towards the end of the decade, the market starts to rebound like the proverbial boomerang. It comes back around. Is boomerang racist now? Is it? I don't know. To just, Australia? Is it problematic? I'm just guessing. <laughs> I'm just guessing. I'm gonna say no. I'm gonna say no. We're still. We could still do boomerang. Uh, so we see a revival in a realistic 
grounded fiction with classics like Speak and Perks of Being a Wallflower. Speak was actually, I think, the first book we read in our young adult Yeah, class. it was like, this is a classic. And it is. It's a great book. It is it's super actually good. really holds up, but it's yeah. sadly just as relevant as it was back then. It's about a girl going through a sexual assault. Yeah, yeah, her like recovery process. And yeah, it's it's a really it's a really damn good. It's book. a great book, and it's sad how well it holds up. Yeah, but then we also get a bit of a glimpse of what YA will become in just a few years with uh, Lewis Lowry's dystopian future novel, The Giver. Lois Lowry? Mm, probably. <laughs> Who knows? No one said it out loud before. <laughs> The Giver, and then we also have the proto-Twilight fantasy romance series, The Vampire Diaries by L.J. Smith. I didn't read the books. I just watched the show. I didn't know they were books until I was researching this. Interesting. So there you go. But I thought I should shout them out. I appreciate that. But it was in 1997 that we would see the release of a book that would instantly and irrevocably change both the fantasy and YA genres, if not books as a whole in the world. (laughs) And that book was, of course, Jingo by Terry Pratchett, the (laughs) 21st installment of the hit Discworld series. Uh, Freaking hilarious. A classic we've all read. (laughs) Just kidding. Of course, that book was actually Harry Potter. Say it with me. And, and the, the Philosopher's, Philosopher's Stone. Stone. The serious stone for you uncultured Americans. Yeah. Who can't handle philosophy. But we're Anglophiles, so we're, we're going to call it the Philosopher's Stone. Yeah, and we will not not call it that ever. You can't make us. <laughs> we joke, but it's truly impossible to understate the impact Harry Potter had on the book world. Like, as a whole. It both popularized and legitimized the YA genre, and it kicked off what is known as the second golden age of YA lit, though this golden age would far surpass its predecessor in sales, acclaim, and reach. Mm -hmm. So spanning the first decade of the 21st century, the second golden age of YA, or (laughs) SGAYA, would see the release of some of the biggest series in the genre's history. I mean, these are the books that come to mind when you say... YA. Mm-hmm. We're talking Hunger Games, Percy Jackson, yep. Twilight, mm-hmm. Maze Runner, The Uglies, Princess Diaries, The Mortal Instruments, Aragon, and of course, a series of unfortunate events. Yeah. And that's just like big fantasy series. You also have standalones like The Book Thief uh. and It's Kind of a Funny Story and the emergence of authors like John Green and Sarah Dessen and Meg Cabot. And, you know, this at the same time that, that these huge books are flying off the shelves, making all these sales, the YA genre is gaining credibility through the creation of the Prince Awards, Mm. which is the first award given out to YA books purely based on their literary merit. Yes. And so, you know... So books like The Book Thief or... The Book Thief, um, you know, Looking for Alaska as a winner. Yeah. um, You know, we got both sides of it now. It's both making so much money, it's popular, but you also have it on the other end, a really good, earnest well-written books are coming out. Yeah, really... like genuine literature. Yeah, and it's honestly, I mean, this is kind of the time we're growing up in. This is, I truly think, the peak of like YA books as far as like being a fan of these kind of things. I think so. I, I, yeah, I think we we kind of got to see like the growth of it yeah. firsthand. And, and the internet's coming in here too, which is also helping. You have message boards and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the radical success of these books and, you know, their movies especially led to a unfortunate flood of forgettable dystopian series. I'm looking at you, Divergent. Uh, okay. And Paranormal Romance, Twilight Ripoffs. Mm-hmm. 
And so as fantasy and sci-fi begin, you know, seeing diminishing returns in the 2010s, we see kind of a shift towards more realistic realism, standalone mm-hmm. novels. Yeah. And like contemporary realism. Con- contemporary realism. You know, probably the biggest of them being the smash hit, The Fault in Our Stars, which came out in 2012, which... I can't believe that's already 10 years old. That's insane. That one's tough. That one's tough. I just want to give a little caveat. Um, I just, I'm in school to be a librarian, right? Mm -hmm. I just recently took a course that was on children's and young young adult literature. Mm -hmm. And the book that they had us read for the course um, on the history of young adult literature basically had almost like an entire chapter devoted to John Green yeah, that and how he like single handedly like revamped the entire genre of young adult literature with his like yeah. contemporary realism and how that became popular after he started publishing books writing right and publishing books. well and, and the thing with John Green is not just his books were popular but his YouTube channel with his brother is huge yeah. and like they literally were the ones who started VidCon which is a YouTube conference and like they were huge on YouTube early and they kind of pushed so it's it's not just John Green as an author that really made it but like his influence as like a creator and not just an, a, an idea almost right. yeah although i think he would also say that he was not alone in like pushing a lot of this no, like there's a lot of fantastic not. books and no, authors that I, made this but, i completely agree but, but your like textbook my loves textbook John loves him. <laughs> you would think they're trying to get his attention <laughs> and so this is also around this time which i would think is maybe the true big influence in where young adult went in this time was the we need diverse books movement. Yes. We need diverse book movement. Yes. Uh, which pushed for greater representation in YA literature. And this movement was a huge success. And in the 2010s, you see a massive rise in books about and by people of various racial, ethnic, and sexual backgrounds. Absolutely. So this started as like a Twitter trend, but now it is its own nonprofit sponsoring authors and publishers and stuff yeah. that are... They have an incredible this. website and yes. blog that gives yes. great recommendations. And I highly, re- like, by any, I highly recommend you all check it out because it is yeah. a great resource for It is absolutely great. Perks. Yeah. Books. And it is fantastic. And I tend to think that, you know, people from more than just for uh, diversity for diversity's sake, which is worthy of its own cause. Correct. I think it, you get so many great books and stories out of people from different backgrounds. Like that is one of the best things about books. Like, yeah, it I is love to yeah. see things from a different perspective. Right. And I love John Green and I, I feel like he's, he's always the go-to with this, but like John Green writes books about me. Right. You know? Exactly. Like all the characters are me, even if they're female, they're me. They're you, you know, my kind of person. Yeah. And, and as much as I love me and I love reading about me, I, it's, you, it's so it's so great when you see to, so many more authors give so yeah. many different takes and, and perspectives. Like we'll get into it. We'll talk about more. But the we need diverse books movements. I think was such a huge success. It's so important to keep the young adult genre alive and like thriving because you know yeah. we were getting to a point where every series was girl has to choose between different groups of people factions houses whatever you know and yeah and dystopian future it was getting real stagnant and it this was. really helped uh, for sure and, and i think um i don't know who said it, it might have been john green that actually mm-hmm. said this about we need diverse books being mm-hmm. it's important to see these diverse books like in libraries in schools yeah. things like that because it not only serves as like a window into like other people's perspectives but also serves as a mirror for those that haven't had their own mm-hmm. perspectives reflected in the books that they've been reading. Exactly. And that is to me the the 
reason reading is important. The yes. only re- the reason we have English class is not to like learn about Jane Austen, but it's to get, understand other people and to find the language to understand ourselves and others in a way that is constructive and makes the world better. And like that's exactly what this movie is. And like we're kind of hyping it up a lot, but I really think it like saved. Not that it needed saving, but like I think it really kept the young adult genre from becoming just kind of a parody of itself and it made it something that was much more interesting and much more important to way more people absolutely and we'll keep going from there we talk ad nauseum but let's continue but basically this is what i've dubbed as the tumblr era of young adult books i find that appropriate i think that's accurate right because this is this time when like diversity is just coming out and people are very excited about every gay character, every mm-hmm. black character thing. And you get a lot of, you start seeing the internet become more important, specifically social media. And you get a lot of like playing on established tropes and narratives and starting to kind of, you get a lot more meta writing and storytelling and a lot of gift sets. But, but basically we're talking about popular releases like The Hate You Give, Eleanor and Park, uh, All American Boys, Will Grayson, Will Grayson, uh, Song of Achilles, which yeah. is kind of a, a modern retelling of the Achilles story, mm-hmm. which is you know a big trend that is still going now. Yeah, and, and this is also we see fan fiction really take off in popularity and and almost become mainstream. I mean, oh yeah, now like things like slash slash fiction, ship, mm-hmm. you know, these terms that were like all online things are like now just normal terms people know. Right, and then you get books that just become real books from fan fiction, and most famously Fifty Shades of Grey, but then also right. the novel After, which became a bestseller and then a movie, and it was. Uh, started as a fan fiction about One Direction and it became just like a real book. It, it is kind of almost magical and like this transfer, you know, transformative process that fan fiction is going through. Yeah. And, you know, that kind of takes us to now. In the last few years, I think we've seen diversity and representation become a little less self-conscious, a little less forced. It, you know, we see a greater number of stories with LGBT and, and POC characters that, you know, they have stories that aren't just about their identity and oppression like characters get to be diverse and just kind of exist which i think is also important Mm -hmm. as besides just telling like stories of people overcoming these hardships you know so it's not perfect but i think that is what true diversity is is that you know a black character can be just a character a gay character could just be a character they don't have to be overcoming being gay or black in a country that's racist and homophobic or whatever right and, you know, I think that is a huge testament to the We Need Diverse Books movement and kind of that Tumblr generation's push for diversity as a whole. I mean, you see it in, like, Bridgerton, where you just kind of... I know there's, like, an explanation for it, but it's just, like, a Victorian England story. Mm, not Victorian. Oh, uh, sorry. Regency I, era. I knew, I knew I was going to be wrong. I, said, <laughs> I knew whatever I was going to say was going to be so wrong. But, like, that kind of idea where it, there's characters of all kinds of races and it's just they just exist there it doesn't it doesn't really matter you know i think the big trend in the last few years is we see the lines of young adult and adult books blurring with the rise of the new adult genre yes and as people who were kids during the ya boom of the 2000s are unfortunately have to become adults now i think the na genre is kind of offering a similar appeal story-wise as young adult but with slightly older characters and more mature themes yeah and maybe one could argue that you know economic stagnation cultural upheaval and the ever looming 
you know, climate crisis have kind of contributed to many 20 to 30 year olds to kind of be feeling stuck in a sort of rest of development. But, you know, that's a different podcast. Right. <laughs> And so I think Damn, hit the nail on the head there, babe. I, it's not nothing I think about or anything. <laughs> <laughs> and so this trend is also I, I from what I've seen is kind of coincided with the revival of fantasy and sci-fi series. Oh yeah. Especially uh, you know, we're talking our Throne of Glass, Six of Crows, not Six of Crows, but yeah, uh, but Six of Crows, well, but, Six of Crows but, but the main series is like uh, Shadow and Brown, Shadow and Brown, Red Queen, yeah. and these things. But as we can see, I think we're gonna give Jess a moment to really get into this herself. But this is what I'm calling. We've graduated out of the Tumble era into what I'm calling the TikTok era of YA, and I will let our resident librarian in training, who is much more qualified on this than me, kind of talk about talk a little bit about book talk and the kind of latest trends in YA while I'm going to sit back and think about my stories about a white boys having feelings. <coughs> Thank you. Okay. The only reason he says I'm more qualified to do this is because I'm actually on TikTok or uh, book talk as we call it. And then I'm also, you know, going to school to be a librarian. So, well, you're an avid reader too. You are really consuming the books in this genre that I am not. That is true. That is true. I'm reading a book about that's an oral history of punk music from the 70s. So no, like, I'm, 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 not, I'm not exactly fantasy. living in the modern day <laughs> like you are. I do have some contemporary romances that I like to, or contemporary realism type of yeah, books yeah, yeah. that I like to read, but it's mostly fantasy, so you're yeah. right. Um, okay, so a little bit about TikTok, right? It, it's for promoting trends. It invites people to participate in these trends and things that are interesting to them. Um, and so when this is applied to like the book and literary world, that just basically means what's called book talk, which is like online discourse on TikTok regarding the books that people are reading, the trends in literature and publishing that people like to see and look for, um, a companionment of uh, videos on how to like display your books or like merchandise related to your favorite fandoms, and then recommendations for what books to read next, things like that. So this type of like discourse has led to so many people finding their love for reading again, like rekindling that mm -hmm. sort of um, enjoyment, which it definitely did for me, for sure. I like yeah. fell off whenever I was in college. Makes sense. I was a science so major. So did I. Yeah. That was in insane time in my life. Yeah. And it took great. me a while to get back into reading. But. I literally took young adult literature as a cool off class because I was taking inorganic chemistry. <laughs> organic chemistry and calculus three and yeah. i just needed to shut down for an hour you know once a week understandably so i was not reading a ton <laughs> and you were in the same boat as me yes absolutely this also has led to an uptick in nostalgic fandom content so you know how you mentioned earlier millennials kind of being in this Arrested, Arrested development. development, which I think is very appropriate, but um, things like Harry Potter or Percy Jackson, mm -hmm. uh, just different videos and content based around those fandoms um, for books from our childhoods that we, we still really enjoy. Also, because like TikTok is like a visual medium, it creates a strong association with the popular aesthetics and books that exude those qualities. Yeah. So people are making content saying, oh, if you're into dark academia, read like the, six, the Secret History or Sixth right. House um, and different books that kind of 
feel like those aesthetics, which is basically like an offshoot of Tumblr, right? Like they're right. using these Tumblr photos. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's it's visual aesthetics are, you know, kind of simultaneously po- being popularized with the, the actual text. And I would say that we are seeing a a resurgence of good covers again in yes. books. Because Absolutely. there was a dark time in the 2000s, 2010s when we don't e- like to talk about every it. YA book with a female protagonist that was like realistic fiction was a, was a hot girl with her head cut off. Like it was just cut off at the neck for whatever reason. It was a realistic so picture weird. of a girl without her head. I don't know why. I mean, I get why because then you, the girl can like, uh, you know, the you reader put could put yourself the on there. But it's it, the terrible book covers back in the day. We were seeing such a renaissance of book covers. And just aesthetic looks in general. Wholeheartedly agree there. And then we also find a bunch of different tropes that are popular among readers that can be further emphasized in the publishing world. So this Mm -hmm. can be both like a good and a bad thing, right? Oh, yeah, it can. uh, One, people are reading. They know Mm -hmm. what they like to read. And they read what they know. So you're like, oh, you like enemies to lovers? Well, read The Cruel Prince. And read like... Agatar series and and things like that. But like, babe, are they reading Dickens? <laughs> are they reading Twain? <laughs> Do they know who Bronte is? Do they know the Bronte sisters, babe? Right, Tell or me. Pride and Prejudice, right? That's... Yeah. <laughs> Tell me they've read Pride and Prejudice, please. <laughs> But, uh, you know, this could also lead to a decrease in originality um, right. and a, a lot of these books that have these tropes being pushed by publishers like oh read this because it's like harry potter and divergent together like it always has to be about a different book that you've read and enjoyed yeah well that's that's kind of our media in general nowadays with movies and everything is like it's a lot of ip it's a lot about remember this thing now it's this yeah star wars sexy (laughs) you know star wars it's black now, you know, Abs- yeah. and it's like, oh, okay, could you just make it good? Right, exactly. You know? like, <laughs> and so, yeah, so then it becomes harder to yeah. find good, bo- sorry, it's harder to find books that are good based on their own merits right. and not based on, oh, they have to share one bed because that's all that's left in the ho- in the hotel <laughs> or the inn that they're staying at. But you love And that. that's why you'll love this book. No, I eat that. I eat it up. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm definitely one that uh, will. I, I'm the one they're marketing to right. with these techniques. And but I but I also will see. I'll read a book and I'm like, that was absolutely not substantial. Right. Um, and so it gets hard to find a book that is as good as this one book that mm-hmm. all these other books are marketing like towards or as a similar thing to that. Well, you definitely see like the blurring of fan fiction and regular books in that like self-publishing is such an easy and such a a attainable route for authors nowadays which is fantastic right which is a good well, thing especially for the most like part with kindle unlimited right uh, exactly which is a big thing but with that they get paid per cha- page that you read right exactly which i just love just as a book nerd because it, it, it everything comes right back around because that's how it used to be back in like 1800s writers would be paid by the word paid by the page and they would be they were incentivized to draw these stories out that's why those books you had to read in school are so goddamn long (laughs) is because literally victor hugo was paid by the word and that is why (laughs) les mis is insufferably long (laughs) as a book and a play but don't at me anyways but i just love that it's kind of coming back around where they have this just mass mass publishing of like just spitting stuff out again yeah you kind of 
it, it's all it all's always been this way. Yeah, yeah. And so it's starting to get a little bit messy again. Yeah. But um, I also wanted to mention, you know, the rise of the new adult genre, right. which is, you know, basically a mixture of YA and adult books. Um, it's basically what we like in young adult literature, plus mm-hmm. sex and older characters. Right. That's all that it is. People yeah. who are in their early 20s are realizing, oh, I can... I can read books like this. But like it kind of marries these two things that are very enjoyable um, together. And I think that's really cool. So think things like uh, Sarah J. Mass and those types of books. Right. And to a lesser extent, like Shadow and Bone, it's much more of a typical YA. But it, it, right. you know, especially the show, it kind of has a hint at, of more adult themes. It feels exactly. It, it feels like you know how like Harry Potter, like kids of our generation, kind of grew up with Harry Potter. Yeah, it's like if they kept going and you kept growing up with it, it kept yeah. being more adult. And like then their Harry's in his you know late twenties. Well, and I think that kind of goes back to this like nostalgic exactly. feeling, right? Like we want to stay there, but mm-hmm. also we're adults now, so we can it's incorporate. Yeah. more like adult themes right. but it doesn't have to be an adult book because that we just associate that with like boring literature right and yeah and and i think it's just more of a way to label types of adult books than its own genre in a lot of ways where like it, it's basically like this is an adult book but it's not like literature yeah quote unquote literature or something that's supposed to you got to think about right it's not gonna win the pulitzer probably not probably but not. it's going to be a joy to read it's gonna sell like hotcakes on kindle unlimited yes and so yeah so that's just a little uh, awesome summarization of of kind of where YA is at now ish with yeah tiktok and all that yeah and just kind of to bring things to a close that was really great uh jess Thank you. i was very excited to hear about your take because i find <laughs> from a distance the book talk thing fascinating and that whole it really is. It's just things. a new way of marketing books. Yeah. And, and it, what it turns out that the people are the best to market to the people. Exactly. Right? That's what like people learn. These content creators that some of them are like 16 and then or just like random people or even the authors themselves finding yeah. really good ways to connect with readers and promote books. Well, it's like we said, John Green, big part of his success was because he had a YouTube channel and he was connecting with his audience directly yeah. and you build like this relationship and that feeds into the books and like he's talked about he has a problem with people reading him into all his characters because like you know I've been watching them for a decade now on YouTube right. I feel like I know them in a way and like I read I do the same yeah, thing I listen to them way. every Friday I listen to his <laughs> podcast I watch his YouTube videos. so and it's authors like that so you you have this kind of destroying this bridge between the author and the um the audience which which uh, can be good and bad i mean jd salinger's rolling over in his grave but he was also not a great guy so whatever but anyways just to kind of summarize things basically like all art why reflects the society it's in you know as we're kind of saying it, it morphs as the people around it morph and change but what I found interesting while researching this episode is how the history of YA in a lot of ways is kind of just the history of kids pushing for acceptance. Yeah. You know, uh, we talk about it. You'll hear us talk about it in our uh, discussion of a series of unfortunate events. But it's, you know, a lot of the joy of these books is is kids reading these kid characters or teens or whatever who are taken seriously. Yeah. Because that's all kids really want is to be taken seriously 
to be taken as seriously as they feel, right, as their feelings right. are. I mean, and, and that's, I feel like that's a problem. I mean, especially coming from like the teacher world and I yeah. hear like students come to me with like, oh, you'll never believe like what this other teacher said or how they're, they're acting right. towards me. And, and it happens so often whenever you're older, you forget yeah, you really how do. intense all of your feelings were. Like uh, adults are so quick to brush off the feelings of children or right. adults but it's like okay yes my maybe their frontal cortex isn't completely developed they're not mm-hmm. making the best decisions but that also they're able to feel their feelings and right. it's sometimes almost too much it is yeah and so the worst thing you want to do whenever you're crying or you're feeling any sort of emotion is to not be validated to have right. your feelings pushed off and so part of this like why a genre is validating those feelings and those experiences that they go through that we all go through no absolutely i mean you said it great and and yeah that's the power of these books i mean that's why we love these books so much i mean it's because we you know, you and I specifically, we all had times where the books understood us when no one else did. Yeah. Or, you know, especially when we couldn't understand, understand ourselves. Yeah, it's all so complex and confusing. Yeah, and, and that's kind of the amazing thing. Like I mentioned before, people will question or even laugh at our decision to dedicate so much time talking about books like Twilight or to a lesser extent, the series of Unfortunate Events. But mostly people don't understand why we're... Like we went out to a party... With your coworkers. Oh, yeah. And often happens to me, people learn I'm a book guy, and then they find the nearest person they know is a book guy, and they go, hey, he book, he like book too. And then he's like, you had a book podcast. I was like, yeah. He's like, what was it about? I was like, Twilight. He's like, why would you do that? (laughs) That's not the first time it's happened. He's a very nice guy. He wasn't being mean, but it was just like, yeah, I get that. And it's, which is, yeah, it's fair. I get it. Right. But while we both love normal adult books, like my two favorite books in the world that I read every year are very much adult literature not young adult books right there's just something so special about the YA genre that really goes beyond nostalgia and when I was trying to think of how to really describe it I I was thinking of something that John Darnielle the singer and the songwriter for my favorite band the Mountain Goats yes I'm bringing up the Mountain Goats again (laughs) it's something he once said about overcoming addiction and at a show before he was playing a song he recalls when at one of his lowest moments as uh, being a drug addict he remembers wishing he had a song to sing and how on the other coming out on the other side overcoming addiction he was able to write the songs that his younger self needed he says i, I heard you when you thought that so i wrote you this song and i th- i know it's one of my favorite things one of my favorite sentences i've ever heard and and i think at their best that is exactly what young adult books do they reach out through time and space to give you the song you need to make it to the other side. Yeah. And that's what's kind of beautiful about it's it. It's so beautiful. I, I, yeah. And that's why they mean so much to us. Because it's not that we really care about Bella and Edward's relationship now. Like, I know that's dumb. It's team drama or whatever. But it's because I know what it felt like to be dumped like Bella did. I know, like, what it felt like to lose someone really close to me, like the main character in Looking for Alaska. Like, mm-hmm. I went through these things. And I was a teen. I couldn't process it. But someone somewhere remembered that and knew what they needed and then they wrote it and they gave it to the world and i 
just think that's the magic of storytelling and that's the magic of books. And that's why we're doing this podcast. Yeah, so join us. Yeah, every other Sunday. Yeah, every other Sunday when we talk about young adult books yeah. and what makes them special and why yeah. you should read them with us. And are we going to cry? I'm crying uh, right now. Yeah, me too. <laughs> so we, we're not messing around. We really like this stuff. Wait till we get to Sad Boy Summer. Ooh. Oh, boy. Angsty Girl Autumn for Angsty me. Girl Autumn. Mm, 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 mm. It's going to be great stuff. Well, thank you, guys. Yeah, so if you want to check out more, you can find us on all of our social medias at... N-S-Y-A pod. And then if you want to, you know, just say hi, give us yeah. a message, you can yeah. find us at our email. N-S-Y-A pod at gmail.com. Yeah. That's right, yeah. If you send me a, a sentence in a book that made you cry, I will send you a sentence in a book that made me cry, and we could just do that forever, yeah, and we then we'll be, be friends. friends. Yeah, yeah, we'll just be friends. We'll just do that all day. Um, <laughs> or if it's Jess, uh, a part in a book where a, a boy kisses a boy, she will send you a part in a book where a boy kisses a boy. <sighs> My um, favorite part. That's the only part she likes. <laughs> but anyways, thank you guys for being with us and being patient with us it took us a long time to kind of get this launched after twilight ended a lot of things happen in our life but you know we're great we're, we're back here. now we're back and yeah so just you know what guys we're gonna keep the same thing we're gonna say don't suck yeah don't suck and bye, bye. like we took our our wine drunk conversations where we talk about books and then just cry and then yeah. we made that a, we made that content <laughs> that's like really cool i know cuz i'm crying right now same same <laughs>